Kyle, what the hell, man? We got like 10 listeners on our podcast. Sophia, there's millions of people in this country. Nobody gets them all to listen. I think 10 is pretty good. My nemesis Joe Rogan did this week. Well, look, I've been going through the feedback and our listeners agree with you. We can do better. How? There's millions of people out there. You can't get them all to listen to our pod. Joe Rogan did this week. Point is, we're going to have to bring on a guest. Doink to doink. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2016's pop star Never Stop Never Stopping. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. And we have a guest with us. Hey guys. How we doing? Doing well. Would you like to introduce yourself? For sure. It's Trevor. Coming straight at you from between Chicago and Milwaukee. Straight out of the Midwest. You love to see it. Yeah. That's a, that is a broad swath of country with. Well, yeah, but we've covered it. We've covered it plenty, plenty of times. You know, we've we've traveled all the way from Illinois to Iowa, up to Minnesota, and over to Wisconsin. So I think we've got a lot of coverage. But feels good about it. Thanks for having me on, though. Truly, the U.S. is Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Just the true Bermuda Triangle of everybody on either coast. <laughs> so, what's to say about this film? Oh, sorry. We are flyover states, but it's a very specific area where if you fly over, you just kind of stay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Hotel California. You can go if you want, but you'll never be able to leave. Exactly. Now, Trev, we ask this of all our guests. You certainly don't need to, but do you have any experience analyzing or critiquing film? No, never before. I can honestly say that the only time that I've ever done it in even some capacity is probably sitting in a room with you. Just absolutely going bonkers over, you know, the analysis of the, the original Digimon, which isn't a movie, but like, I think still <laughs> lends, lends credence to exactly how absurd sometimes those watching sessions can get. So, all right. All right. I have two fun stories about this movie in regards to Trevor. Okay. The I'm first is that we saw this in theaters together, along with another buddy of ours, Riley. We did. I forgot about that. We went to the, at the time it was called the Cobblestone Carmike, and it has since been bought by AMC, which is a terrible theater. It's somehow in 2022 does not have anything remotely like stadium seating. It is the flattest fucking theater you'll ever find. And yet the other is that the first time I got high, I watched this movie and partway through Trevor comes back to our fraternity house with his mother, his sister, and his sister's friend who were visiting that weekend. And so I had to watch the back half of this movie high, but also having to play it cool. Oh, yeah. No, I distinctly remember. Yeah. Oh, oh, you, you laying absolutely stoned, which, by the way, I will say I remember that so distinctly because you did. I know that you say you were playing it cool, per se, but you were as pretending not to be stoned as somebody who was pretending not to be stoned could possibly be. Yeah, of course. By just sitting in this like chaise chair 
as as pressed up against the back as you possibly could, like the most uncomfortable looking man possible. Yes. Watching one of the most absurd movies to ever exist, <laughs> trying to maintain conversation with a 50 something year old woman from Austria who had nothing but conversation topic upon conversation topic to have with you, even though this movie is still happening. Yes. Now, I do also distinctly remember telling you the next day that I was high and you expressed disbelief. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly. Exactly. Are you sure it wasn't faint? I have no idea. I just I just know that he said he didn't know. Oh, my God. That's good. That I like that. That's great. At the time. I'm, I may have just been trying to protect your feelings. We don't know. All right. So viewers, I will, or to listeners, I should say, listeners, I will it's say. It's an audio medium. This is, <laughs> it is an audio medium. I forgot because we're all on video with each other, but this movie is meant to be watched just absolutely blazed out of your gourd. Like if you're not stoned, like epically, olympically stoned watching this movie, you're doing this movie wrong. Yeah. I will say for the opening fi- I don't know if you guys looked at the other films that opened when Popstar opened as well but if you'll allow me cuz I think I think every single one of these films also would work very well with at least a little bit of a high so I'll I'll go in order here in terms of like how much they made on that, that given week that Popstar Popstar's opening week and it's going to take me a while to get to Popstar and you and I hopefully hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we sweet kind of get a little chuckle in so the top selling movie of the week of opening for Popstar was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Hmm. <laughs> followed, followed, followed by the... Hold on. Let me just get through it all. Followed by the second week of X-Men Apocalypse. Followed by the first week of Me Before You. Followed by the second week of Alice Through the Looking Glass. Followed by, and this is the kicker, the third week of the Angry Birds movie. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by the fifth week of Captain America Civil War, followed by the third week of Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And and then Pop Star's opener. God, wow. He got outdone by Angry Birds. He got That's... outdone by the third week of the Angry Birds movie. Hey, God. Josh Gad did amazing in that movie. You shut your <laughs> dirty poor mouth. <laughs> Wow. So that, okay. All right. But let's also be fair. This was a movie made by an SNL star that became a musician with his two dumb friends. So like, I don't think anybody was expecting the blockbuster of the summer from this. Also, the name wouldn't fit on any marquee. Yeah. I could have sworn this was meant to be the comedy movie of the summer. I Clearly, I was not. Listen, maybe the algorithms just know me super well, and they're like, this guy loves Andy Samberg. Let's make sure that he sees Popstar. And it's like, I already got you, fam. I was going to see it and buy the DVD. I mean, look, this movie is very, very funny. I described this to Kyle as the best bad movie ever. I mean, I think that's that's a good placement. Although you don't even have to include the the bad part of it. I feel exactly. like it's it's almost reaching this this sort of cult levelness of you know you go back I mean you got you got movies that do this same sort of rockumentary style 
like this is Spinal Tap, which I know is referenced plenty of times in the reviews that came out when this when this movie you know uh, was reviewed. Yeah, and and I and I agree in the sense that I think that this was the sort of modern remake of Spinal Tap because you know you really had this one very cliche pop star Connor Farrell, which by the way Andy Samberg's capability to utterly just throw himself into the deep end of being the most outrageous and absurd version of even the most outrageous and absurd pop stars that are out there right now. Mm -hmm. Highly respectable. Yes. But I really do think, yeah, it was, it was just a perfect modern remake is all I was going to say. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I saw it pointed out that Tim Meadows, who's in this as Connor's manager was also in another similar movie, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Yeah, he is the bad influence that gets Dewey hooked on all the substances. So he's not the so he he's not the manager. No, no. Like in in Popstar, he's the manager, but in Walk Hard, he's I think the drummer, and like he's always like doing drugs in, in a closet, and like Dewey is always walking in there, and he's like, "Just walk away, Dewey. You don't want no part of this." Well, I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. I will. I will say. I think. Tim Meadows and Paul Giamatti are the two best manager character actors uh, mm-hmm. alive right now. So it's unfortunate that he... <laughs> what, did you watch Big Fat Liar recently? What's up? <laughs> He's not even a manager in Big Fat Liar. He's just a big music executive or movie executive. I yeah. think you're... Are you? I, I was thinking of Alvin and the Chipmunks is what I was thinking of. That's David Cross. Well, I meant to say David Cross then. Okay, there's... A, I mean, Paul Giamatti <laughs> is in... Rock of Ages. Let's be honest, though. Has anybody ever seen David Cross and Paul Giamatti in the same room? No. Probably. There you go. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, before we go down that rabbit hole, let's do a synopsis. (laughs) Yeah. First things first. Universal is great about this. I love when opening credits, like the production credits, do something related to the movie. So in this one... They did like a beat drop remix thing. Universal does this all the time because Scott Pilgrim was 8-bit and Pitch Perfect did acapella. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we get started, it's going to be a, kind of a, a necessity of, of this review that we're going to have to crawl out of the fiction of the movie and talk about stuff that's happened in the real world because this movie is meta as fuck and oh, is extremely referential. It crosses over so many times. It's also going to be hard to talk about it because it's mockumentary style, which means there's a lot of those, not confessionals, but like inter- side interviews happening while the main story's happening. Interstitial flashbacks and, well... Fucking yeah, weird to talk about. about. Yeah, so it, it's it, the continuity is a little tricky. All right, so we open with Connor very humbly saying he's always been dope. God damn it. So, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we get, like, some video of him, like, as a one-year-old, just absolutely shredding drums. And, you know, we, we meet the rest of his band. And this is actually the folks from The Lonely Island, Andy Samberg's musical group, which is Yorma Takone and Akiva Schaefer and Andy Samberg. And I love these guys, by the way. This is, un- like, their music is hilarious, but also unironically good. Yeah. Well... In some ways, sir, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as, I think it's commercial in some way and obviously non-commercial in other ways, but I think overall, again, in the sense where it's like the movie is a cult classic in and of itself, the band is a cult band in and of itself, you know? Yeah. 
but they have a group called the Style Boys, where Owen is really into the music, Lawrence does the lyrics, and Connor's just like the face of the band. Yeah, and it is a kind of a referendum on the concept of pop music that Connor becomes the face of the band basically out of charisma more than any actual talent. I mean, look, he can sing. That's something you can take classes for. So yeah, Connor kind of like they they get they blow up, they're big, they have a couple of really big hits, and then they break up and Connor goes solo. The reasons that they broke up are not at this point super clear, but Lawrence is not happy with Connor and they have a fight on stage and break up the next day. Well, I, I tell you, I tell you what, I can definitely, I can definitively see. You can definitely see where the breakup starts in Karate Guy. They're they're one of their mm. like large hit singles because, as you'll remember from the lyrics, you have Yorma saying, "Now nah, I'm in a cowboy hat, yeehaw." Then you have Akiva saying, "Now nah, I'm in a cowboy hat, yeehaw." But then Connor comes in, he says, "Now nah, I'm in three cowboy hats." So I think from a very early <laughs> stage. He was establishing that he was prepared to wear all three hats at the same time and didn't need the other two. Trev, I do love that you referred to Yorma and Akiva as the actors, but Connor's Connor, the character. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> because it's How so hard to you? remember them as Owen and Lawrence. It's so meta that even I'm forgetting to speak of them in different ways. Okay, from here on out, I can refer to them as Owen and Lawrence and Connor as the characters in the movie, <laughs> although we know that we're referring to Yorma, Akiva, and Andy. That's understandable. If we go back and forth, nobody better call us out for this shit because it's absolutely too, again, way too meta. There's there's so many things that are obviously outrageous in the movie from the mockumentary style, but there's also some things that seemed so possible that you didn't know if that was true or not. Either way. Yeah. But we get the first song that we see of Connor Solo is his song, I'm So Humble. Which, I mean, it feels like you're kind of front-loading all of Connor's issues just right there in that two minutes of, look, the beat is good, the melody is fine, the lyrics were obviously... I mean, it was it was Lonely Island shtick. Like, they, they, their music is good, their lyrics are absolutely preposterous. Yeah, and, and, and he really kind of puts it well. I, I, and I think any pop star probably has the same motto, you know, when he's, when he's talking about, you know, my fans and me. We're in love. My songs are love letters. The arena's our bedroom. And on the stage, that's where we fuck. And then <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> hey, remember when we thought holograms were going to be the future of live performance? Oh, yeah. So expensive. When, when Tupac appeared on stage. Exactly. As a hologram. Jesus fucking Christ. Did you know? So you're obviously, we're, we're obviously referencing the Adam Levine hologram that pops uh-huh. in during I'm Humble, on which the actual Adam Levine does feature. Did you guys see that they did a live performance of that on The Voice when the movie was coming out? No. No. Yeah. So it was very meta because I went and saw that video. I was like, wait a second. Hold, hold the fucking phones. You're telling me that Adam Levine's. I understand that Adam Levine had to give the thumbs up for him to be using his likeness and his voice in the movie to do the song. I just didn't think that they would actually pull it from the movie into real life and have them perform this absurd song on stage. Well, so what I've noticed about, you know, The Lonely Island, especially in 2016 and previous, is every single musician imaginable 
Like the the thing that everybody wanted was to be in a Lonely Island track. Like mm. everybody was in a Lonely Island track at some point, or at least mentioned in one. So I'm not surprised by that necessarily, and I'm not surprised that they took it out of the movie. I think it was like a, a point in time where we were craving more relatable musicians. And to be relatable is to be outrageous. Or, well, at least funny. To keep things moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a mockumentary, there's multiple sections throughout this movie where they go black screen, white text to tell you what's happening. And it happens a little too much, in my opinion, but, like, it's the better way to convey the information. They, they do make fun of the fact that it happens a little too much a little bit later. So, yeah. So, Connor is getting ready to release a new album. Which is the whole point of this mockumentary. Yeah. Uh... It is. It's part. I mean, it's the focus of the first half of the movie. Yeah. So every relevant musician gives a bit in this movie, like an interview bit or like appears. And so we've got like, you know, Pharrell and like DJ Khaled are in there talking about like, you know, oh, yeah. So like. I mean, Connor's maybe like a little too real with his fans, but like they love him for it. That was Fifty Cent. <laughs> that was Fifty Cent that said oh, that one. Yeah, Fifty 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 Cent was uh, said that one. He's like, yeah, maybe maybe a little too much, but like. <laughs> and out of all those people that gave, I don't know if you guys noticed this as well. Nas had, I want to say, at least four separate cutaways, yeah. like four separate mm-hmm. featurettes. And absolute props to Nas for for being willing to to give all of that content to this movie because out of anybody like on the list of cameos that are made out of anybody to make that many featurettes. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think I would have put Nas up there. And so I was, you know, you I wouldn't have put DJ Khaled up there, but like they get fucking Ringo. They get Ringo. They get Ringo to say doink to doink. Hey, we're jumping ahead just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I do want to point out one thing. So Owen went with Connor when Connor went solo and he's like the DJ. Sure. Whatever. But he talks about how he pretty much just loads the whole show on an iPod and plays from there, which is dumb. But he also says he listens to Harry Potter audiobooks, And I'm kind of wondering if they regret that reference now. It would be an interesting question. I have to imagine that Andy Samberg probably does. I don't know enough about Yormer Keeve to know. Yeah. I will say... That part also kind of bothered me a little bit because I, we were looking at, I mean, presu- presumptively this this coming about in like 2014, 2015, right? So at that point, couldn't you just load up music on a phone? Like at what point were people still using iPods realistically? That is true. That's insane. iPod support kind of ended in like 2018, was it? I don't remember. Right. So there was still, still. some crossover. But to, yeah. see, but to see Owen just up on the stage with this absolute mega box of an iPod, like not even an iPod Nano, which I think kind of... It's an original iPod. Yeah. yeah but we're talking early 2000s iPod. I'm <laughs> like, man, this dude's got a synthesizer, he's got all the setup tech equipment, and then they hit him with this absolute <laughs> dinosaur of music holding equipment. <laughs> I would have been less surprised to see him just holding up a Zune, and it might have been even a little bit more funny if he actually did that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been way better, honestly. So we get some voiceover with Connor is like, yeah, I brought in like 60 different producers on every track. So everyone's going to be a hit. And he's talking about his new album that's about to drop. And then we get a 
TikTok or like an Instagram reel or whatever social media post was like, look, I'm going to be talking about some social issues. My track drops, my secret track drops secretly tomorrow at this time, you know, be there. And then ladies and gentlemen, and every single valid ass person in between, we have us a music video. Who wants to take this one? Don't remember Same Love by Macklemore featuring <laughs> Miranda Lambert? Yes. Well, what if we swapped out Macklemore for this guy Connor for real and swapped out lesbian Miranda Lambert for bisexual pink? And what if we made Connor actually say the words that Macklemore was trying or wishing he could say the entire time that he was singing this song? <laughs> Just vocalizing his in- every fifth beat. I'm not gay. <laughs> what if I was? I would what want equal rights. Like, oh boy. It, okay. So he goes from like actual sentences to just throwing in things that are part of quote unquote straight culture. Guys, come on. Straights don't have a culture. I, 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 would, beg, I would beg to disagree. I think they hit it on the head, especially. And I think that this is the verse that you're referring to, Kyle. But the very end one. Where in the music video, it starts flashing rapidly with these images. So yes. hard that you can't keep up. So you kind of got to go back and look at the lyrics. Like a karate kick, a grill. Just lots of... True love trumps all. Flying kicks, not gay. Big watch, not gay. Missionary, one love. Gym sucks, <laughs> nunchucks, not gay. Lighter fluid, HD, ninja, world peace. Four-wheel drive, gay marriage, love beef. Free love, golf clubs, two guys, not gay. Rainbow, muff dive. Harvey Milk, Sean Penn, not gay. That's my favorite. The Harvey Milk, <laughs> gay, so to Sean Penn, not gay. So is are we to believe that Sean Penn's the epitome of straightness at that point? Possibly. Okay, so I do want to talk about this. Like, in proving how not gay he is, he's like, I had sex with 27 women, all straight. <laughs> and it's like, he did what? <laughs> how many women? We're in this sex pile. <laughs> Was there a cue? Did they wait in line? Probably not. So music video ends. Also, Pink looks very uncomfortable during it, which is yes, which fair enough. And they do the celebrity interviews, and they're like, "He knows that gay marriage is legal, right?" Which again <laughs> is Ringo Starr saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> And then we, we cut to Calabasas, Connor's house, where where he's like, like, he's clearly like jazzed. He's like, look, I don't normally read reviews, but I'm really excited to see how much people love the song. And he goes and reads the reviews and all right, well, they're not good. They, they gave this good. a negative review. <laughs> oh, like it's not good. No, like they gave Pittsburgh gave it a negative form. review. Oh, so it's bad? No, they give a negative four out of out of ten. I can only positive ten. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, and then he moves over to Rolling Stone. Let me check on Rolling Stone. Oh, they gave it the shit emoji. <laughs> out of four possible stars, they gave it the shit emoji. I also paused on that just to see what they actually wrote about this, mm-hmm. and I saw it say them say. As a fan of his first solo effort, Thriller, also. Which, by the way, I know we didn't touch on that again. What an incredible first album name yeah <laughs> it is sad to realize that it was perhaps a happy accident it's difficult to not let this bloated mess of an album color the first superior one here we find connor repeating old tricks retreading former glories to diminishing returns 
This album is abhorrent noise from a shrill, played-out pop star. Connor, for real, go home. You are finished here. Connor should feel anything but confident these days. We reserved the shit emoji just for you. Holy shit. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So then he goes on... A radio show. I don't remember which one this is. It's, it's not a local Charlotte. radio thing. Oh no, no, no! no. This guy's That's a guy. It's Big Boy. It's the it's the Big Boy's radio. Thank you. Show. Sure. I was like, yeah. it's not Charlemagne, but yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And they go over what is called the catchphrase verse, which is where he went on a song. He guested on a song that Emma Stone's character did, Claudia Cantrell. Yep. Thank you. And just says a bunch of nonsense trying to establish a catchphrase. And I was like, I think they're shading DJ Khaled. And then after they end that, they do an interview with DJ Khaled. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Where he said, he was like, immediately, he's like, this guy right here is going to make it big. Because when you have a catchphrase, the world is catched by your phrase. (laughs) Major key. (laughs) Major key. 100 gift baskets. DJ Tanner. Costco samples like a motherfucker. That's the thing. They're so <laughs> insane <laughs> and terrible. Yeah, these are awful catchphrases. But I mean, the entire movie like is framed in this way where like all of the creative work is patently ridiculous. And that sets up the, the ridiculousness of like everybody liking it. Everybody being like, yo, donkey roll. That was my shit. I grew up on that shit. And just like <laughs> it inspired Usher to dance. It inspired us. <laughs> hey, fun fact. If you get the album, that little bit of line is still at the beginning of the track for Donkey Roll. Beautiful. What? Love it. Yeah. He goes, Donkey Roll was the shit. That's the reason why I dance. Let me see that Donkey Roll. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> I love Lonely Island. <laughs> Lawrence is a fucking farmer and his life sucks. He's a basically. farmer in Colorado. He's a farmer. In Colorado. We'll get back to it. Yeah. And he wears tights for one scene. Did you yeah, get up, he up on like that? The, he the wears pantaloons. red. Yeah. He, no, he, he, everywhere, everywhere else he's wearing overalls. He's wearing normal farmer garb. But for mm-hmm. one quick scene, for one quick video moment, he's wearing just, just what seems like leggings. Red, yeah. just bright red leggings, chopping wood, and never again. It confused the hell out of me. I don't understand it, but I love it nonetheless. Failing to chop wood. <laughs> Next, we have Connor and his crew meeting with a company called Aquaspin. Deborah. Yeah. Woo, Deborah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the, the, the idea here is that they're going to cross-promote Connor's new album by making it so that when you open your refrigerator <laughs> door or like any other appliance... It plays music. Yeah, Yeah, it plays this awful music that everyone hates. You guys remember what this is referencing? No. This was, wait, this referenced something that happened in real life? This is a reference in that around this time, you two put their album on everyone's iPod and iPhone. If you had Apple Music, you got U2's new album. Oh, I hate that. You could see that at least kind of makes sense because that's where you expect music to be. It sucks. I love it, but it makes sense. I love it. Yeah, that's what that was referencing. Good stuff. So yeah, and everybody kind of recognizes that this is weird, including Connor. Like as they're leaving, like Owen's like, "That's fucking ridiculous, right?" And he's like, 
yeah, but there's no such thing as selling out anymore, man. If you don't sell out, like a few years later, people can be asking if like you were ever asked to. And <laughs> okay, there's a statement to be made there. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> That's a point. But like everyone is correct in this, that this is a fucking stupid idea. And at the moment of the worldwide launch of this album, when everybody's washing machines and refrigerators and toasters start playing this god-awful music, the entire world just goes dark. I'm about to say, I'm glad you picked up on that. They show the scene. They show they, they, show, they back out all the way so you can see the like earth lit up. And they show that this massive blackout was basically the shutting down of the entire eastern seaboard of the United States. Yeah. And I was like, holy national tragedy, Batman. <laughs> and, oh my God. You can just imagine like somebody's life support machine starts like, I'm not gay, but if I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So yeah. And then we get a bunch of TikToks oh, and like, and reels. And reels. Yeah. Yes. Of people going like, this is trash. I fucking threw out my refrigerator because of this. Fuck you, Connor. There was a byline on one of those like fake newsreels that because they had to include the little you know rolling tracker the rolling chiron tracker. yeah yeah well no not the chiron underneath oh, that yes 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 so yes. That i had to pause at various points in the movie just to see how much detail they put into this all of it one of those rolling details was studies show cancer caused by all everyday products <laughs> yes <laughs> one thing i also have to point out because these segments are hilarious is CMZ. I have no idea what it's meant to stand for in CMZ. this version. TMZ. I mean, yeah, no, but actual TMZ stands for 30 Mile Zone. It's a thing with Hollywood. So I don't oh. know what CMZ is meant to be, but it's clearly evoking TMZ. For sure. It's so fucking funny. They make one <laughs> mediocre joke and they all scream laugh. It's Will Arnett, Chelsea Peretti, Eric Andre, and Mike Birbiglia Just scream amazing. laughing. And that's, I think that is perhaps the funniest thing to me is like four genuinely funny people just absolutely tearing. Okay. I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of seeing a TMZ bit that this was like based on, but it is like the six most boring people on the planet bullshitting about, you know, what they're going to write this week and thinking themselves very clever. So this was, this was like as a meta bit, this was fucking amazing. But, like, mm, God, it was painful to watch. Will Arnett having ever-increasing <laughs> numbers of cups, cups. cups of water with <laughs> straws just moving his mouth from one to the other. He, yeah. he runs over to Eric Andre to sip on his. <laughs> one other saving grace is that Mike Rubiglia almost tries to be, like, the voice of reason. Like, hey, we should actually be pretty nice to Connor because he seems like a good guy. And Chelsea Preddy is like, <laughs> no. I bet not. And they they and lose their shit at someone saying, I bet not. Oh, my God. They start cackling. It's great. Absolutely. Eric Andre oh. starts screaming. Like, at some point, it's not laughing anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we cut to Connor. He's talking with his manager. What is his manager's name? Fuck, I don't remember. Harry? Harry, Harry thank you. This Tony? is Tim Meadows. Tony. Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. To oh, Who is Tony? It? Tony? Yeah. yeah. Tony? Harry. Question. Tony? <laughs> Tony, 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 Tony. They have a talk and record sales are abysmal. And they ask the camera crew 
to cut the video. <laughs> so they're not recording. You do still get audio because otherwise, the, why even have it in the movie? And they have an insane scene where they like fight off a horde of massive bees or something. And afterwards, they're like, camera guy, tell me you got that. And he's like, you told us to cut. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my he fights God. them off with a flamethrower. Too. Yes. Yeah, no, that's the best part. That was at the ready somehow. <laughs> Connor, Connor, they're sitting. I mean, we we've seen we see the scene beforehand, right? Where they're sitting kind of out in in their in his, in his like backyard of his mansion. Yeah. And then this thing comes on, and Connor's like, "Shit, get, grab my flamethrower!" And immediately Harry's like, "Here, catch!" Which insinuates <laughs> it's just a flamethrower sitting in his garden. Absolutely incredible. I, I, I know I'm picking there. apart the pieces of this absurd movie, but it's absolutely incredulous just to see some of this timing go down. And when absolutely wonderful, you know, I amazing. So next we, we go to the tour that kind of coincides with the release of this album. There's a lot of celebrities that play characters in this that like have some relation to Andy Samberg or Lonely Island. How many of them do we want to cover? All of them. Well, let's just keep it to the ones with like bigger parts. There's only three. There's Bill Hader, Zippy the Guitar Tech. Uh-huh. Who does flatlining in his spare time. Favorite free time thing is flatlining, which is when you technically lower your heart rate until you're dead, and then you catch a glimpse of the afterlife. And he's talking about this so nonchalantly. It, it, it's an impressive bit, I think he does. Tilly, his mom, played by Joan Cusack. Is that Joan Cusack? Connor's mom. Was... Yes. Oh, and, and on that note, way too little Joan Cusack in this movie. Might I add? Yeah, that is true. So Tilly Real is played by Joan Cusack. It's Connor's mom. And she's in one scene where she's partying with the entourage and like doing bumps of cocaine where she's telling like his entourage, you go first, kids first, then moms. And again, wonderful timing, but only one scene in the movie. I wish it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Tyra Squash, Justin Timberlake, the chef doing carrots eight different ways, which he only tells us about like six, four, four. I think he tells us four triangles, shaved obelisks and Julienne, yeah. or as the French say, Julienne. <laughs> I did not, I did not parse that that was Justin Timberlake, but I know that there, I know that he and Andy are close and they've worked a lot together. On, they got an know. Emmy nom for Dick in a Box. Yes, they did. That's amazing. I love that so much. I just mean like, his manager is Sarah Silverman. The yeah. Aquaspin person was Maya Rudolph. Like, there's so many. Maya Rudolph drops a hard R, and, like, it's deeply uncomfortable. That is why I cracked up when you were talking about the Aquaspin part, because my mind immediately went to that part. And it is the most nonchalant drop, and she's talking to the black guy in Connor's entourage when she says it. Now you're just like, okay, whoa. Black guy did a soft A, and she repeats it. With a hard R, it's like, okay. But Whoa. moving on. <laughs> yeah, we got to move on from on. that. We are not qualified to talk about that. We're, the tour's happening, whatever. Songs are weird. We get to Hunt for the Hungry. Well, one transition part, which is what we referenced in our opening. This oh, was right, perhaps right. the best part in the movie. So Connor, you know, he's wrapping up his concert and he's like, yo, everybody in the front, make some noise. Everybody in the wings, make some noise. And all you up in the in the top section, make some noise. And like, there's like one guy who comes back. He's like, what the hell? Like, and his manager's like, look, it's an 18,000 seat venue. Nobody sells that out. He's like, Hammerleg did last week. 
<laughs> and then like the manager like flips it back on him. You know, very similar to what we did in, in the opening bit. I'm not going to repeat yeah. it word for word, but the point is like he knows Connor well enough to know that like this, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. It's pretty easy to flip this stuff back. The upshot of that conversation is they need an opening act. Yeah. This was my first introduction to Chris Red as an actor and comedian. Same. Same. And everything has yep. had to live up to it. And I will say his one line in Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie, fucking did. Was he the detective who was like, I think I want to quit like forever? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So Hunter's playing like this real kind of grimy, low underground. Chris, Chris Red is playing Hunter the Hungry. Thank you. So there's a cutaway. I think it's the RZA who's yep. like, look, this guy is actually insane. Like backstage, we smoke weed. He's just sitting there eating a joint. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy is actually unstable. Yep. And that's yeah. the RZA telling you that. So like, <laughs> and he comes off stage and he's talking to Connor and he's like, I want to be you, Connor, but not white, you know, black still. Cause it's a strong color. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> like, yeah, for real. Okay. I got you. I got you. I feel you. And before going back on stage says, you're my idol right next to Jesus and Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. A a perfect Mount Rushmore. If you do ask me, they quickly become friends. And then we get into a part where they're like, you gotta do pranks on tour, bro. Well, no, So it's also worth noting that Owen is getting minimized by this. I was just saying, Owen's getting his EDM helmet on now. Right. Yeah. So he does get this abs- I mean, it looks like if if you know about like Dead Mouse. Yeah, this was definitely a Dead Mouse Five reference. Yeah, situation yeah, where he's got this absolutely you know huge, massive, probably super heavy you know techno decked out helmet that he gets, and Connor's like, "This is your new helmet," and the cutaway, and Connor's like, "You know, EDM is the craze right now. We're just you know we're riding that wave. You know, robots on ecstasy, Daft Punk, Dead Mouse." DJ Tommy Pizza, Oprah Spin Free, Vinyl Richie, R2 LSD2, Ecstasy 3PO, LSD 3PO, Elton John. John. I also came up with a, a few more if you guys if you guys will Yeah, go for it. Uh, Let's hear it. EDM and M. Rave Franco. S. Sydney Poitier. Yes. Molly Ringwald. You don't really need to change anything on that. <laughs> Oh my god! Ketamine Joe Green, Rahip Nolan Ryan. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's dark, Trev. That was dark. Tech Techno Am Chomsky and oh, Jesus Christ! And of course, last but not least, MDMA and Rand. <laughs> oh my god! It's fucking good. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that. <laughs> so they're doing pranks. They're acting up. Here we get an honest to God Bieber reference, but taken to an extreme, which is to say acting a fool in the Anne Frank house. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. So, okay. Yeah. So he gets in some legal trouble for taking a shit in the Anne Frank house. And fucking quotes Ace Ventura. And fucking quotes Ace Ventura. Now, what Bieber actually did was not as heinous. He said, yeah. I think if Anne Frank were alive today, she'd be a believer. Rough. Big time rough. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can just not self-promote when you visit the Anne Frank house. Or 
Just have somebody follow you around, like putting it on Instagram. Who gives a shit? Don't. Mm. Okay, Beaver's a dumbass. Yeah, this whole thing is like Beaver's a dumbass. At least was in his earlier years. Has he gotten better? A little bit. I believe he's gotten uh, since because he's a dad now, isn't he? I think so. I think he's a dad, and I will say I do believe children change you. So I I have some belief that there will be or there there has been. A little bit of, of a, you know, comeuppance and a little bit of a, you know, return to, to potentially humbleness for this man who definitely lost it for a long time there. So. Also, he's over the age of 25, so his insurance premiums went down. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really feeling it from Geico, man. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. <laughs> moving swiftly along from that. Yeah, so... There's a weird side thing where we learn more about Connor and Lawrence's beef. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is where we sort of, like, understand why the Style Boys broke up. And it turns out that, as we kind of talked about before, Lawrence did the lyrics. Like, Lawrence is the reason that the Style Boys, like, everybody fucking loved Style Boys. Connor was only ever uh, a pretty face, I guess is what you would say. Pretty much. Yeah, and and... Connor took credit for some stuff that he shouldn't have, and it really pissed off Lawrence. And Lawrence bit him on stage and became a farmer in Colorado. It'd be one thing if Connor won the poppy, but it was like, hey, actually, my boy Lawrence did the work. Yeah, like, if you said that, excellent. No. And people might believe that you're actually humble. Right. But instead he goes, there's one person I absolutely have to thank. That's me, myself, and I. I did it all by myself. Nobody helped me. And he's screaming that at the top of his yeah. lungs on stage at the poppies. Yeah. It's uh, tough. It's tough. We do also see that Lawrence apparently tried to go solo and had a song called Things in My Jeep. Which, okay, like... Nas didn't relate to that song because he had different things in his Jeep. I will say that, like, <laughs> in keeping with the theme of this movie, like, if you ignore the lyrics and just pay attention to the way the song just, like, hits from a tone and a, a musical perspective like it's fine it's a good song hey you know who features on that song at very least in the like album version hmm. lincoln park that's absolutely correct i do remember that and i yep oh right this was oh rip this was before chester died yeah, yeah this was before chester before chester died oh boy that got real <laughs> yeah you can hear it in the chorus that is in the movie. The, These are the things in my Jeep, 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 Jeep. Whatever. A ridiculous song, but they're all ridiculous songs. Now, we haven't really talked about this, but Connor does put on a good show. Yes, he does. He's, he's at least an entertainer. Yes, <laughs> yes. He's leaning a little bit too much into gimmick, particularly with Owen and with some of the things he's doing. And one particular gimmick is a trick he does with quick changes. Mm-hmm. that requires him to tuck his dick, otherwise it gets caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, of course, Chekhov's wardrobe change. <laughs> if you introduce a quick change in the first act or wherever, the, 40 minutes into the movie, five minutes later, it must result in a wardrobe malfunction, and Connor ends up on stage naked with his dick in between his legs. Okay, so... I'm sorry, I have to interject. Yes. As a trans woman, I have to say, nice talk, bro. <laughs> that said, <laughs> that said, like, okay, it's explained in the lead up to this joke that, like, 
the quick change wasn't working because it kept on like tearing at his crotch region. So he's like, yo, I think I got to tuck it back and that'll help. I'm just like, in there, buddy. Oh, yo, I think, I think this trick only works on women. <laughs> so like maybe if I tuck it back, I'm like, yep, that's how that works, but not universally. Let's just say. So yeah, everybody. And sure enough, the purpose of tucking your dick back is to make it look like you do not have one. So that's all anybody can talk about because he spent 10 seconds, which he's correct in pointing out is an eternity on stage, just butt ass naked with his dick tucked behind and like could just like widen your stance a little bit because the whole thing kind of falls apart that way. Those helpers did him dirty. They could have thrown that shit back up. Yes, they could have, but but it was appropriate. That's a third of the way to Mars, Sophia. 10 seconds is a eternity. That's a third of the way to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This movie is fucking amazing. 30 seconds to Mars is going to be banned. It's not a fact, Connor. (laughs) It's not just any band. It's Jared Leto's band. I think Jared Leto was in this movie, too. No, he wasn't. And I had the same note. I'm glad we're landing on this. I had written down as random thoughts. So his name is Sponge in Connor's Entourage. His name is something oh, else, yeah. but it is it is British Jared Leto. You cannot convince me otherwise. He is such a dead on. If it's not Jared Leto, it's the it's looks perfect. What's his name? If Connor? anyone happens to be yeah. a fan of Chav British entertainment, this guy was in the In Betweeners. If that means anything to anyone, not at all. Nothing. <laughs> I actually like the In Betweeners. I thought this was going to be a smack bomb piwet pull, which. <laughs> would have been amazing um, and just like completely within the character of this movie. But moving on, yeah, it's unclear whether Hunter did this or not. He's cracking up and he's like, it would have to be the greatest prankster of all time. And shit, that's me. Maybe I did do it. Nah, or did I? <laughs> I, I wrote this all down. He goes, he, he goes, he goes, maybe I did do it. Nah, I didn't do it. Or did I? Nah, I didn't. Or maybe I did not do it. I didn't do it. Or I did. Who knows? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I love that. Yeah, that, that was amazing. And like, there's a point where, where he's like, yo, but where was your dick, dog? And and he's like, it was tucked behind me. It turns around and like, it's on <laughs> CNN. Connor for real has no dick or there's some shit like that. He's like, oh, what the fuck, man? Come on. So now the entire universe is talking about how Connor for real has no dick. He's like, I wish I could, I'm a, I'm going to, I'm going to go post a picture of my dick on social media. <laughs> Don't do that. Sarah Silverman of all people is warning you not to do that. In order to change the news cycle, he is going to get engaged to his maybe fake girlfriend, by which I mean, they might be faking their relationship for media attention. Might be here, meaning absolutely is. Yes. Yes. So yeah, we get a brief bio from her and Ashley Wednesday, I think is, is her name. Yep. yep. And she is one of those girls who like, I can't remember who she said she saw like together and like, it was an obviously fake relationship. And she was like, I've always wanted that for myself. It would have been a great pull if it was like one of the Ben Affleck relationships. Yeah. But too soon. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier in the movie, we had heard a song of Connor's called Mona Lisa. And here at this engagement, Seal, yes, Seal, sings a song to that same tune, kind of bringing it back. 
And mm-hmm. this is now the second movie in a row where Sophia has been denied Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> I know, right? What the fuck? So, all right, Seal performs, and Ashley has this thing about wolves that is extremely stupid in Hollywood and crunchy uwu bullshit. Her physic told her in a previous life that she was a wolf. See what I mean? Crunchy uwu bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) She by goop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Kabbalah Center nonsense. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to get sued. (laughs) But yeah, so Connor brings a bunch of like wolves to this thing with like trainers and and like people who are there to like hold a leash. Yeah, and there's press everywhere and Seal is singing and Seal is aggravating the wolves. So they go nuts and start attacking reporters and like everybody's like Connor and Ashley, like get in their limo and like, they're like, Oh shit, seal. Come on, get over here. Come over here. And seal makes it over there. And like a wolf grabs him by the arm and he fucking kills that wolf. (laughs) And apparently it's because he's been in this situation before because like he points at his cheeks and it's like, how do you think I got these scars? So for folks who don't know, seal has lupus. And it's not something that he's always been open about because, I mean, I don't think they're that unsightly, but I get thinking that they'd be unsightly. So, you know, it's not something he he often talked about. It's like, how do you think I got these scars? Like, fucking wolves, motherfucking wolves. And then a wolf just fucking nails him. (laughs) But the fact that it is lupus and wolves, that's a very good joke. Yeah. Ah, I didn't even realize that's actually awesome. Yeah. Also, to again reiterate just how many fucking famous people they crammed in this movie, the guy who's like owns the wolf rental is Paul Shear. Paul Shear. Yep. Paul Shear. His name slipped my mind or I would have brought it up. Like, f- sure, fine. Right. Well, and then then after this scene, they do transition then to Connor needing to sort of apologize for the seal incident. So he goes on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And I don't know if you guys also noticed it was at the time when Jimmy Fallon had fucked up his middle finger. Yeah. Where he had done that thing where he almost like lost it or something. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It was all bandaged up. I noticed that in the movie, but I didn't know the real life thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's got to, you know, apologize for this stuff. And Jimmy Fallon. I just love that they have Jimmy Fallon be the, you know, late show host to piss off Connor into doing something that he doesn't want to do like a late show host would. And so he gets Owen to come out and they do the donkey roll, which Connor has no business wanting any part of. And, Oh, he gets off stage and he's mad and pissed off at Owen. And Karma's a bitch, huh? Jimmy. Yeah. (laughs) Fast forward six years and he's allowing Paris Hilton to hawk cryptocurrency NFTs and shit. (laughs) <laughs> just like looking miserable too like fucking what has my life become yeah. why did i do that in that movie six years ago <laughs> so because of all this shit that's happened connor's life is in shambles no one gives a fuck about his album ashley broke up with him and got together with seal which yes. this is the one part okay i'm okay with all of the other like wild shit that goes on right because it kind of establishes that this things could have happened like it's like you know, we we have people being influenced by them and that's fine and all. But then for Ashley Wednesday to get together with Seal, when there's been an established relationship between Seal and Heidi Klum since 2004, that's the one wall that I was confused. Like, why are we breaking this wall? I understand that we're like mocking and everything and doing that, but you're messing with like real life relationships at this point. 
it's very interesting <laughs> for that to be the one point you go after. Listen, who's the worst person your fiance could leave you for? The person whose mauling led to your breakup. Well, and also, like, I'm a lesbian and I would probably go on at least one date with Seal. Sure. That's a handsome man. Yes. Yep. Shit's going bad. Owen is really trying his best to be a good friend and fix this. And he thinks that getting the style boys back together is the way, which is correct. But we'll get there. And so he's like, I got an idea from this old movie, The Parent Trap. Except he means the fucking Lindsay Lohan version. Not that old. Connor is a dumbass, but he immediately sees through this. True. Because Owen invites Lawrence to come hang with them after a show on the tour. Akiva is incredibly intense, just silently. Yeah, he does play the he does play the intensity very well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they hang out they hang out in a limo afterward, and hang out might be the wrong word for this. It's the perfect they word. It's encounter the each other, <laughs> and then a bunch of fans storm the limo, so they can't leave. Yeah, so they're stuck in there, and like they have an argument, and Connor is still convinced of his own star power which is not helped by the fact that like there are women who are like rubbing their ass against the window and then rubbing their tits against the window and then a dude puts his schlong on the window but he is not looking at that he doesn't see it he keeps talking right here. about the beautiful ass titties this is what it's all about <laughs> hey that is not just any dude i mean in the movie it's just any dude but that is not just any dude was that Judd Apatow? That is Judd Apatow's penis. Oh my god, I did not need to know what Judd Apatow's penis looked like. <laughs> this is right here. This is what it's all about, my friend. Making art, connecting with people. This is that rock star life, my friend. And I'm slurping it down like a big old fat milkshake. <laughs> god, he said it in the worst way. <laughs> oh, I'll never serve. I will never recover from that. It, yeah. It's there but by the grace of god go we (laughs) so lawrence storms out things are not good here's where shit gets real low is hunter usurps connor on his own tour yeah hunter's opening act goes way long and fans like it because hunter has a big hit and i don't like this big hit because it does drop an r slur which lyrically fits well and i don't know what other word you would use there but like, yeah, you you could just not. Well, if he, it's the whole thing of like, how do you have a villain without doing villainous things? Sort of. So it's like, <sighs> yeah, not a big fan of it, but I understand. Yeah, whatever. So Connor decides, like, no, I'm gonna step up and take my place, and it is truly cacophonous. It's a nightmare. This was one of the points where I had to pause it and walk away for a little while. He's also gotten to the point where he is so paranoid. He sees basically everyone as his enemy. Because Harry, does Harry at this point say he also represents Hunter? Yeah, Hunter. or, or yeah. rather directly. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Because they, they have that conversation just before he goes on. He's like, yo, you represent me. you got to fire him. And he's like, actually, I represent you. Yep. So, yeah. And Connor gets a little idea in his head that he's going to test his posse to see who's actually loyal to him. Yep. Speaking of Jared Leto shit. <laughs> Loyalty tests are a huge red flag in pretty much every instance. Well, so herein, though, there's there's another thing that, like, as a trans woman, 
I, I, I kind of like connected with because like there is a tendency for like really supportive people to go like, no, 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 you're beautiful, babe, you're, you're gorgeous. I love your outfit and your look. And you're like, I need somebody to tell me if I'm a hot mess. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not actually my friend. You're my booster. I don't need boosters. I need okay. friends. And this is a thing. Uh, granted, that said, there is value to having boosters. <laughs> Yeah. So this is a little bit fucked up. I don't like that that like it came down to this, but how else do you sort out the boosters from the friends? Cuz I mean like you could tell people like, "Look, tell me the truth. Tell me the honest truth. How do I look?" And like a committed booster will just lie to you. Right. You serve them dog shit pancakes is what you do. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you serve them dog shit pancakes. Exactly right. You see what they say. <laughs> yep. And obviously the boosters tell them that they're great. I mean, I probably would have just put too much nutmeg in them. <laughs> Owen tells him it doesn't taste good and Connor's like thank you Owen thank you for t- telling me that you're a real one but that rubs Owen the wrong way because Owen's been there since they were kids so Owen's out so yeah. this is this is the turning point where like Owen's Owen's gone as well now it's too far everything else before this was okay for Owen now it's too far I also don't know if you guys caught this other part did you guys see fucking certified freak Sarah the assistant just housing the dog shit pancakes with no reaction. Yes, I was going to bring it up. I'm glad you did. Yes, that was a very <laughs> clear joke. I want to know her backstory and try to figure out if she has any taste buds. Because holy fuck, she was putting those things down like it was fucking Gogurt. Just one after the other. Just, just please. Oh. <laughs> so something we hadn't brought up is that like any good celebrity... Connor's got a weird pet. In this case, it's a turtle named Maximus that he loves oh, very yeah, dearly. Oh, we forgot about Maximus. Maximus barely matters until right this moment. No, it... He brought him up briefly to say that it was his best friend and his mom got him when he was nine. And he's like a little brother if he had a brother who was mutant. Hella scaly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maximus gets a little... Yeah, Connor is truly alone at this point. No one can help him or Maximus. Maximus dies. Maximus yeah. passes. And they have something that feels like a weird mix between a Hindu and a Viking funeral for him. And a Catholic, because he recites Gangsta's Paradise, which starts out quoting the Bible, quoting Psalms 23. I, I, another point I wanted to make. Did you guys know that part? And that made me question whether or not Coolio was Catholic. And then I did a further dive on Coolio. Did you guys know that Coolio ran for the Democratic presidential nomination? as the running mate alongside a porn star in 2020. I did know that. Based. <laughs> Either way, yeah, Gangsta's, Par- Gangsta's Paradise is the eulogy for Maximus, and then it's a Viking funeral. It's incredible. Casey Affleck is the bagpipe player. And then they have a pull pipe. Yeah. Yeah, immediately. Like, the turtles here is still on fire. <laughs> they shot a Roman candle at it. It is actively on fire when everybody dives into this pool. Cool. Yep, yeah. it's perfect. Beautifully. It's well done. Black screen, white text. Connor's tour is done. He's out of his contract with Aquaspin. He is finished. Yep. He gets knocked out by Martin Sheen. Attica! <laughs> Attica! <laughs> oh, God. What did we do to deserve this movie? He passes I out do on more. his hoverboard. <laughs> which catches on fire! Yeah, which catches on fire. Aquaspin releases him from his contract. And then we get the beautiful... DJ Khaled coming in once more saying the key is don't play yourself. Very simple. Don't play yourself. Congratulations. You played yourself. 
Amazing. He said it. Something about catchphrases. So I need to pause for just a moment to talk about DJ Khaled because I he's so insane. Currently, this is a current thing, not a 2016 thing. DJ okay. Khaled has a ghost kitchen where he makes wings called Another Wing. I hate it. I hate really? that so much. Yeah. I mean, I hate ghost kitchens generally, but... Mm. Yeah. I learned that one from my brother, my brother, and me. Beautiful. <sighs> anyway, Connor's like at a dumpy ass home, wherever the fuck. It's his mom's home, and his mom yeah. is yeah. on tour with Fallout Boy. Fuck yeah! Which we can we get a seed of Tilly Friel with Fallout Boy? No. Okay. No. Go fuck yourself. See, crazy. And Connor, oh, Connor's watching dressage. He's drawing the horses. I think 2016 Fallout Boy was on hiatus. Ah. Oh, is there a plot hole? They had just put out American Beauty, American Psycho. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. This was like their first one back from hiatus. That's correct. Yeah, because their hiatus was 09 to 13. Dark days. Second one after the hiatus. Anyway. Yeah. He's he's doing art of horses, but it's really bad. Extremely bad. Yeah. He's watching dressage. Yes. Also Naruto. I did not see that part. That's Legit, awesome. there's a very, like, two seconds that he's watching Naruto, and it doesn't even show Naruto. Paula comes to visit him, and she shows him some home movies, and he finds out, or relearns, or whatever, that Lawrence and Owen got him Maximus. Here's the turning point. Yeah, and then she drags him out, because, like, when you're in a funk, sometimes you just need a friend to drag you out, or a publicist if you don't have a friend to drag you out to get you out of your funk. And so they go to a bar where there is just a sick DJ absolutely killing it. Can't sing for shit, but he's killing it musically. Yeah, he's like, yeah, a little pitchy, okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's Owen. We also, I I can't ignore this. Connor is in disguise. Facial prosthetics, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this might have also been another Macklemore reference. What it, was it? <laughs> Maxmore did something where he dressed up as a witch and got accused of anti-Semitism. Oh, then oh, that would obviously be it. Yeah. And Sarah Silverman actually brings up, she's like, you look like a propaganda poster. <laughs> yeah. Like, you look like Matthew Modine had a peanut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> you look like Jason Siegel right now. <laughs> the Jason Siegel one kills me so much. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> It's worth noting that all of these people are Jewish and they're like, this is, this is just like, I would be very offended if this was like, just, I don't know, some like a goyish person be like, yo, you look like a Nazi propaganda poster of a Jew. I would hit them, but like, it's fine. It's Sarah Silverman saying that it's, I think if you put on prosthetics, someone is allowed to say, if you alter yourself in such a way, someone is allowed to say that you look like a propaganda poster. If it's your natural look, that's fucked up to say. But if you put on something, that's fair game. I Okay. I mean, I, I, I have a different view on it, but, you know, different strokes. But yeah, he's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta forget Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But they do make up and then they go to Lawrence, right? Yeah. Oh, there was something earlier, because this is important, when they were in the limo that, like, sets up the poppies. For the finale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Paula had, like, talked to them as, like, Connor, I don't think we're going to get to do the poppies. Not important, oh, but... Yeah, it, yeah, Not important at the moment, but it does set up for the finale. Correct. So I wanted to bring it up because we're getting real close. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they go and they see Lawrence, and we find out that he's a farmer in Colorado, which means he grows weed and a lot of it. Yeah. A bunch of it. Before that, Connor tries to apologize, but it's like really sarcastic and not that sincere. And then it kind of becomes sincere. Yeah. Almost fluid, like almost seamlessly. As a former actor, I think that more people have to start using this monologue as their monologue to like audition for pieces <laughs> because it is, it is wonderful. It is wonderful when he starts. And if again, if you, if you'll allow me, mm-hmm. what do you want me to say that you helped with the catchphrase verse? Is that this is still all about you? Fine. You helped with the catchphrase verse. All right. You happy? All right. And you wrote most of it, but using my catchphrases that you also co-wrote, all right, wrote, but we were both in the room and I dictated all the best stuff. All right, none of the best stuff, but I had tons of great ideas that I still don't know why you didn't use them. Because they sucked! Okay, fine. That's my bad. But I was there the whole time, man. I was a little late. I was a little late that day. There was traffic, and I was a little tardy on that particular day. There was no traffic. I lied about that. I lied about it because I overslept on accident. It was on purpose. It was a power move. I was trying to send a message, and that was a dick move on my part. All right? However, once I got there, I put in time, okay? I left a little early. I remember that. I was never there. Now I remember. I remember now what happened. I bailed, and you wrote the whole verse. You wrote it, and I never gave you credit. Because guess why? No one cares who writes that shit. They just care who performs in it. In fact, I think the only person in the whole universe who cares about the credit for who wrote it is you. Fuck. And somehow, <laughs> and somehow, that incredibly, like, you were doing fine up until that last phrase, and then you fucked it yep. up at the end. But, like, yeah, this works. Lawrence accepts because it. Because it has to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go smoke just all the weed. Incredible amounts. Yeah. Lawrence realizes he hates being a farmer and had a lot of fun being a style boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's got mm-hmm. some incredible... Did you guys see the weed, the weed strains that Lawrence was making, by the way? <sighs> yes. Sour Diesel. Oh, my God. Zack Nut. Witch's Titty. Aqua Butt. Beethoven's Nightmare. <laughs> postpartum Depression. <laughs> frog Jizz. Nightmare. <laughs> Which, by the way, looked like they were indicating it was actual frog jizz. Yeah, it was liquid. I was like, what the fuck? It wasn't weed. It was just a <laughs> bottle of, like, a creamy-looking substance. Oh. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Oh, my God. I love this movie. Yeah, while all this is happening, they're having a good time. They're reconnecting. They're remembering some music and creating. Connor gets a call from Paula. She says, we got you the poppies. Taylor Swift dropped out because she was arrested for murder. (laughs) Real quick, gloss over it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's so minuscule. It's hilarious. Yeah. And Connor says, thanks, but I'm going to pass because I got to be with my boys. And they're like, he goes back in, tells them about it. And he's like, no, you could do the poppies. Just know that like we're bros. We're like the Wu-Tang Clan. It's like, you're Method Man, and he wouldn't did a solo record, but he was still in the Wu-Tang Clan. It's like the Jizza, you know, he wouldn't did a solo <laughs> record, he was still in the Wu-Tang Clan. It's like the Rizza, and he wouldn't did a solo <laughs> record, but he was still in the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> so you're saying, we're like the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, but better. <laughs> well, well no. I take it back. I didn't like it when I said it. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom Petty, he's Tom Petty, you're Tom Petty, we're three Tom Petties. <laughs> Alright, point is, you can have a solo career and still be in the group. Yeah. 
We take entirely too long to establish that fact. So Connor's like, all right, I'll do the poppies. And then like, they were going to like, they were going to do the poppies as the style boys and, you know, have Connor do a, a solo song. But then the show runs long. It sometimes happens. So instead of six minutes, they have three. Now, before we get to that point, oh, I, I skip. that's when we're in the poppies. When they arrive, there are overlapping documentary <laughs> crews. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, Hunter the Hungry has a documentary he's got going on now because he's blowing up and people actually. Hunter the Hungry going to eat on, on yep. MTV2, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sophia, did you catch that single white female poll again? I did. <laughs> I single white female your ass. Yeah, you did. Two movies in a row. Again? It's like, what? Yeah, I was like, ah, I don't like that movie. And yet, here we are. So Hunter tries addressing a camera and he goes, actually, we're Connors. And then he tries addressing another and he goes, actually, we're Snoop Dogs. <laughs> and then Snoop Dogg just swings in out of nowhere like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> you <Hell been> surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Harry and Hunter have a fallout because Hunter decides to do an ad while presenting an award, and that ends horribly. Mariah Carey <laughs> kicks his ass. Yep. yep. Which honestly sounds like fun to me. Yeah. He time. talks shit to his manager, and his manager hits him, because that's what yep. happens. Talk he says, shit, I will hit. eat your head. I will eat your fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this. We don't get enough crazy Harry shit. Tim something. Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. Yeah, we don't get enough crazy Tim Meadows in our lives. It's great. If you watch certain episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he plays a cannibal. (laughs) Wait, isn't he an IA officer in that? In Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Not Tim Meadows. Okay, who am I? It doesn't matter. Anyway. Yeah. So, the person to introduce the Style Boys, or Connor for real, because we don't know, is Hammerleg, with frontman played by Weird Al. Beautiful. Yes. I need to pause for a moment to talk about this. I've seen a lot of sentiment about this movie that it's kind of like the songs are too ridiculous for the movie to be taken seriously. But when you have Hammerleg, who's able to sell out an 18,000 seat arena with the front man of Weird Al, not as himself, but just in general, the whole world falls into place and makes sense. So I got a question. Is Hammerleg supposed to be a veiled reference to U2 or Metallica? I'm not sure. Because the three of them together look like both of those groups. Kind of. From different eras. I mean, they look like a hair metal band. I am about to say, it certainly has to be influenced by them. I don't know if it was directly representative of one or the other. Right, right. It's unimportant. Right. Yeah. So he introduces Connor for real. Yeah. Connor goes out solo, starts a weird version of a song he's done earlier called Finest Girl, parentheses, Bin Laden. Oh my god. And then he... Changes up the lyrics and goes, I'm a style boy for life. Yes, and then the style boys come out with something that Lawrence had written in his years of solitude. And all right, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. 90% of this shit is ridiculous, but the other 10% are powerful metaphors that would be great songs. <laughs> or, or the basis of great songs anyway. Okay. Did you have, did you have particular ones? Because the song is called Incredible Thoughts. Yeah, I didn't write them down necessarily. It's Incredible Thoughts featuring who? Michael Bolton. That, by the way. fucking Bolton. Michael fucking Bolton. How? how, Killing it. This this dude has really held on to a career 
by just doing exclusively parody nonsense, right? Am I crazy? No, he did. He did a song with the Lonely Island, Jack Sparrow. Right. No, again, incredibly like paradoxical, like parody nonsense, but no, no honest music, just real. He's, he's just leading into like, I'm Michael Bolton. Surely you must know about me from my previous work. But now I feel like we're, we're starting to reach points where it's like, dude, nobody remembers what you actually started doing. Now you're just this dude named Michael Bolton who kind of sings like a crooner, but it's comedy stuff. So it's just honestly, look, if I could coast on the work that I've accomplished, you know, way back in the day for the rest of my life and, you know, have have some fun doing it. I absolutely would. Nothing I've done is that influential yet, though. So the song's called Incredible Thoughts, and they're not really thought out. They kind of just say they're shower a sentence. Yeah. yeah. What if a janitor was actually smart? Garbage man. What? Whatever. <laughs> a couple other things. Harry joins on saxophone at one point because he was a musician at some point in his life. They do a thing about a they have a line about a fish who comes to life through a wish, and there's someone on stage in a fish costume. Just absolutely killing it. Was it DJ Khaled is like, all I wanted to know was who was in that fish costume? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember what this was referencing? No. Masked Singer? No, way before Masked Singer. This was, this was referencing a Super Bowl halftime show where someone in a shark costume got referred to as Left Shark. Left Shark. I love Left Shark. <laughs> Fuck you. Left Shark is amazing. Exactly. That's what this is referencing. I used the term left sharking way too much and it never caught on and i'm still mad about it trev i have a picture of peter in our fraternity house you know left shark costume i know i remember left shark very clearly i mean i i i I mean i'm wearing a football jersey right now i yeah super bowl every year i remember very distinctly the Katy perry performance where that occurred and i do remember people questioning exactly what was going on with that left shark because he was just i think his audio was lagging where it it, there wasn't a completely different zone space allegedly it was snoop dogg no no listen that is something i that is something i heard and that's why i say allegedly look snoop dogg is like a mile tall okay left shark was a normal sized person snoop dogg's like six three he's tall but not absurdly so could have been snoop dogg crouched (laughs) (laughs) whatever the fuck style boys are back usher gets to do the donkey roll with them for some goddamn reason yep they crush it. Movie ends on a high note, and That's I don't it. know what else to say. He got a new Maximus. That's true. Yep. And then roll credits. Roll credits. Roll just the most stacked credits in the history of stacked ass credits. Holy shit! <laughs> what would you guys like to talk about? I mean, I covered most of my stuff like during the discussion, but like, yeah. And I, I also, I also like was talking about this movie with a friend of mine and she gave me the advice of like, you know, it's not super serious, so don't take it super seriously. No. And so I didn't really, I decided to follow that advice. Yeah. No, the basic idea is fame fucks with your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is a direct pull at Justin Bieber and child stardom more generally. Sure. Parents don't let your kids get famous. Could you imagine if they got Macaulay Culkin in here somehow? Oh, that would have been fucking amazing. Would have been wonderful, but also unrelated to the pop star lifestyle, I think. Macaulay Culkin is like, after having gone a little bit bonkers, yeah. He married Brenda Song and had a child. Yeah. He married London Tipton and had a child. Yeah. Do you love to see it? Good for them. Yeah. 
I think I think my thought I, I was looking at some of the reviews from the movie from back in 2016, and one was I think that on which said that pop star has the joke density of Naked Gun, songs funnier than Weird Al, and a kind of backyard surrealism that rivals Tim and Eric. It's not just funny, but many different kinds of funny, which I think put it perfectly well because it like it's very indicative where some of these comedy movies you know they're really hitting at one specific type of comedy, whereas pop star I think really you know is a really self-aware movie because you got to think that somebody, especially like Andy Samberg, especially at that point with Lonely Island had already been around so many of these types that they were very aware of what that lifestyle involved. So when you can take that experience and that knowledge level and apply it to the movie and just turn the absurdity level up to a hundred and apply the comedy that, you know, from different, you know, various, you know, genres, it's going to turn out into this lovely cult classic like this one is. And it wasn't esoteric. Like the jokes weren't particularly esoteric. Like it was like something you could connect with and understand. Mm -hmm. If you can find a DVD of this and get the deleted scenes, they're so incredible. There's more CMZ stuff, which just layers upon layers of absurdity. There's a part where he goes to like an after party and I think he gets caught getting pegged. (laughs) And if I, if I remember correctly, it was Natasha Lyonne who pegs him in this deleted scene. Perfect. Yeah. Hot. Also, there is a, there is a song that is on the soundtrack that got filmed, but deleted from the movie that I sent to Sophia called fuck off. Yep. This is probably the most, like if you go onto YouTube and look for clips of pop star, never stop, never stopping. This is what comes up. The basic premise of the song is like, don't let people talk shit to you. But by people, it means your parents, your parents. and your teachers. And it's very, like, the lyrics make it very clear that this is aimed at, like, preschoolers. <laughs> yeah. Your teacher saying, don't eat paste, don't talk during nap time. <laughs> I feel like that was a pull at Simple Plan. Who that? I mean, that music was marketed specifically towards high schoolers and was openly and comfortably suicidal. Really? I thought they just did the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song. I hadn't thought about it that way. And I may need to I may need to review. Please tell me that that's a thing you made up. No, they do the like second best Scooby-Doo theme song. The best is the original, but they do the second best one. Oh. It's like when you found out Bowling for Soup did the Phineas and Ferb theme song. That was kind of established. That would, But Bowling for Soup was canon for Phineas and Ferb, though. Okay. Like it was part of the 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 Ferb verse, if you will. Look, we, it's it's capitalism. You gotta you gotta make a living somehow. Yep. All right. There's there's not really much to discuss. The movie like lays it all out there pretty much. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we're gonna pull. Right. That's like oh the secret meaning behind no pop star wears its meaning on its sleeve. And this year, Akiva Schaefer confirmed that although a sequel isn't in the works, it's not off the table. Nice. So, potentially we could be seeing a second one. I'd be interested to see if they kind of, I mean, obviously you got to think that they're going to pull from more recent events. So it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I I can't think of any particular recent events off the top of my head, other than maybe like the mess ups at like the Oscars, you know, from like Steve Harvey saying the wrong stuff, people celebrating differently to Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. Oh my goodness. Adele Nazim. Well, Actually, that, no, was that happened from a while ago. That happened before yeah. this movie came but out. But I think that the Will Smith slap, if you applied that in a pop star sense, would be utterly fantastic. Having Connor, like, 
essentially Amazing. back into that madness by <laughs> storming a stage and slapping someone. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think this movie made great use of the documentary format. Yes. I find the, the format a little bit tiresome, but yeah. Well, especially if you don't watch documentaries a ton, because I feel like if you watch a bunch of documentaries, you can probably get tired to the concept and kind of get, you know, becomes a little bit more blase. But if you watch other different kinds of movies and then you watch this one, I think it's so far off the norm that it, it kind of really gives you a different perspective. At and it was nice to get people from the music industry, like Questlove, yep. dropping in his thoughts. Fucking ASAP Rocky being like, you gotta sell out. That's why I make ASAP Crunchables. Beautiful. Just a bunch of little hidden tidbits that I loved from this. It was really a wonderfully done movie. All right, ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Ratings. 10 out of 10, no notes. I'm yeah, say, 10 out of 10. This is a great movie. This is an excellent movie. I was I would say 9.9 out of 10 just because I don't know why you had to have Seal divorce Heidi Klum <laughs> in universe just to just to just to make your point of getting with Ashley Wednesday that is exclusively that is all it is and there were some and and not that this doesn't happen in other movies but because I was doing the whole pausing thing there were like these grammar errors where like in one of the Chirons in the outages it was an outage with two T's and I was like come on guys what are we doing mm -hmm. but a, a 10 out of 10 movie in spirit for sure that, at least yeah. for enjoyability. With a few technical errors. That's it. That's it. Yeah, 10 out of 10. As for obscurity, though, what are we thinking? Well, Kyle, to be fair, I had to get this from my regular movie smuggler. So I guess it was in theaters in 2016. I don't remember it. I've never heard of this movie before I saw it on our list. And again, I had to get it from my movie smuggler. I think it was on Amazon, but I was like, hey, I can get it to you. I have it. Whatever. So what a number. What do you want to put it at? Let's say so I mean it had a theatrical release, such a stat cast. It's good, like it got good reviews, but also fucking where the hell do you find this piece of shit? I would say let's let's round that off to about a five point five. I'm about to say I would think I was gonna say five, just because I think that it kind of I, I think it fizzled off into I don't want to say mediocrity, but obscurity it fizzled off into, but I think that there will be, and will continue to be a resurgence because of the stack cast, because of the mockumentary style, because there may be a sequel that comes out that I think might actually do better than the original because people are kind of aching for that comedy to come back. Okay. I'm hugely biased because I love Andy Samberg. I love the lonely Island. This to me is a 1.5. The fact that it is on this list at all shocked me. My memory was that this was the summer comedy blockbuster of 2016. I am apparently wrong, given that fucking Neighbors 2 came out. <laughs> and the Angry Birds movie. Can't forget about Angry Birds. But, like, no, this, this movie's great. This was, like, I don't know if this was the height of Lonely Island stardom, but they had already made another movie. Which, by the way, Hot Rod is my favorite fucking movie. I love Hot Rod so much. So I haven't seen that one, but I do love The Lonely Island, as I've stated before. Like, they are perhaps, for a while, they were one of my favorite bands. Yeah, hopefully we see some more content out of them. That'd be really great. For sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As we wrap up our episode, we end, of course, with our pop culture pop-out, a piece of pop culture we have been interested in as of late and just want to talk about for a while. Trevor, you are our guest. Why don't you take it away? 
Well, I'll take it from a recent experience of mine that I don't want to say changed my life, but was definitely a sort of once in a lifetime experience since I went and saw the world premiere of the Devil Wears Prada musical in downtown Chicago. And I don't know if musicals are necessarily pop culture, but I will say when it does get released in Broadway and when there is a cast recording that comes out, it's a score that was done by Elton John. And I tell you guys, it's hit after hit after hit after hit. I was blown away. There's a song that was already sort of kind of previewed called Dress Your Way Up. That's just Elton John at his finest. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly couldn't get enough of it. So again, like I said, it's a disaster that I can't already listen to a cast recording, but I can't wait for it to happen. And then also, I only had one other one, which is I'm a huge fan of the show Letterkenny from Crave TV and Hulu. And they just recently came out with a spinoff series called Shorzy based off of a (laughs) hilarious character from the series in and of itself and kind of really bring Shorzy to life alongside some other characters, both kind of from the series, both kind of not. It's so well done. I am forever indebted to Jared Kiso for creating that (laughs) television show because it is, it has lodged its way into my heart in a way that it'll never be removed. So that's what I have. Rude Canadians, eh? (laughs) I, was that last episode that I did a yeah, fuck that in? was exactly that- last episode, yeah. You called out Shorzy? Not sh- Actually, yeah, I did a fucking Shorzy voice. Yeah, he, oh, he did, and I was like, oh, rude Canadians, where do they live? Buffalo. I, I answered my own <laughs> question. Yep. <laughs> Beautiful. Sophia, what do you have for us? So, in keeping with my entire vibe, I have another band that I didn't discover until well after they had broken up. It's a Swedish band called Alice in Videoland and specifically the song that like got me hooked on them is called Better Off. So I'm going to put there's not like a music video for this but like it it's electronic and pop and just a lot of fun, really energetic and it's, you know, kind of the mood that I need right now. So Kyle, what do you got for us? Lately I've been listening to a musician named Tom Cardi. He is Australian. And also does comedy music, so I thought that was very fitting for this. He had a song that kind of blew up on like YouTube and TikTok titled H-Y-C-Y-B, which stands for Have You Checked Your Butthole? Yeah, the premise is scenarios in which people are asking if he's like seen something or knows where it's at, and he's just like holding back waiting for the perfect moment, and then hits the drop for the course of, have you checked your butthole? Skeet up, but up, butthole. <laughs> love it, love it. So fucking funny. He also did a really good song called Red Flags with Australian Euro... What's the fucking competition? Eurovision. Eurovision. Australian Eurovision competitor Montaigne. Why is Australia competing in Eurovision? Why is Israel competing in Eurovision? It's closer to Europe than fucking whatever. Yeah, and it's in Asia, so Australia, whatever. Famously, the former prison colony of the UK. So yeah, fine, whatever. It's basically saying we want white people, but not Americans. Yeah, which I mean, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, Tom Cardi though, very funny. Okay. Okay. Trevor, where can people find you online, or is there anything else you'd like to promote? Yep. No, you can find me online at Ever Trevor Ever. That's kind of my title that I use pretty much everywhere. However, I did recently start 
some super niche content. So I'm a huge, huge, massive, super massive fan of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, that garbage reality television series. And I am also a big fan of home cooking. So I've combined the two passions and I've created this thing called Right Reasons Kitchen at Right Reasons Kitchen on Instagram, where I'm sort of combining the two and cooking up delicious food based on the series itself. I've only put out a couple of videos so far, but that content will continue to grow as the current season goes on and will hopefully continue to go on into future seasons. So if you're into that sort of thing, give it a follow, give it a check out. Um, I should be putting out something every week. Hell yeah. Sophia, where can people find you online? Well, I'll have a link tree in the description, but the big hits are I'm quiet on Twitter, but I'm still around Hamilcarinina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I'm trying to use that less and less because I don't like the person it's turning me into. I have uh, Instagram, Sophia H underscore MDT. I'm on Quora at Sophia Helena Maestatric. I am on Medium at the same. I do Queering House on Medium. That's my queer film analysis review. Uh, you can get that directly into your email for when you sign up for Medium, and that is $5 a month. There will be a, an affiliate link in the description. Don't find me on Facebook, and that's it for me. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at Kyle the Giggles. I'm on Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Twitch under Hammer. Sophia and I also have a Twitter account at Off the Film Path, where we do live reactions to the movies we watch. We talk about movies we've been watching or other such things in that world. Very exciting. If you would like, there's a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message to be in an upcoming episode, whether to leave your own pop culture pop out or talk about the movies we discuss. But if you want to talk about the movie we're watching next time, Sophia, what do we got? We're going to be watching a movie called Like Father, and I'm not psyched about this one. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Netflix movie, and well, it exists. Yeah. Kyle, my my, my dad just died. I know. (laughs) This is is randomly generated, by the way. Like, this was nobody's decision. This was another instance of the universe going like, Hey, you know that you know that Sophia chick? Fuck her, right? Pull an audible. Pull an audible. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to live change it right now? Because we can. Let's let, you know, let's give it a shot and see what happens because we might actually end up doing worse. Okay. Might I put out there, by the way, that I offered up the idea of doing flatliners, which is mentioned in Popstar Never Stopping. Yeah. Um, appara- apparently a too well-known movie, but nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Kyle. Yeah. Remember I said it might actually be worse? How worse? Boondock Saints 2? <laughs> I mean, objectively, uh, actually, I don't know if it can be worse than Like Father. But Fuck it, let's just do Like Father. We'll, like Father. Yeah, we'll do Like there Father. There you have it, folks. A little bit of how the sausage is made. Yes. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your friends about this incredible podcast you can take out an ad in a local paper or maybe on craigslist <laughs> that's how craigslist works right it's got to be in misconnection oh my god one <laughs> or you could you know get a giant banner printed and have it towed behind an airplane at 
Fire Island, I guess, would be where my people are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there sure are a lot of them. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much, Trevor, for coming on. Yeah, it's and been we will catch you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.